Um, okay, Dirt Talk, Australia trip, part two. Mm-hmm. I believe we left off. We were done with the coal mines. We yes. saw... Did we talk about Komatsu? Um, Komatsu dozers? Yeah, I think I yeah, did. Yeah, I, I, super dozer. Uh, super dozer. I parked the rental car next to the dozer. It mm-hmm. was a great time. We got on a plane that evening, got into Brisbane. We spent a weekend in Brisbane. I went to the Steve Irwin Australia Zoo. All of my dreams came true. You became Steve Irwin? I wish I became Steve Irwin. I wish. R.I.P. And then Sunday morning-ish, we got on a plane from Brisbane to Sydney. And then we got on another plane in Sydney that was the smallest commercial plane I have ever been on by a long shot. It was so small that you handed the pilot your bag as you were getting on it. And then he handed your bag to you as you were getting off it. This is like a glorified cab driver at that point. <laughs> Basically, yes. Yeah. Did you have to do the thing where you uh, distributed weight? Um, I don't know. I, the plane was full. I don't know how many passengers it was. It was probably like 16 passenger maybe, maybe 20 and one on either side. It was, it was small, but it, I have never had the guy that just flew the plane that I was on hand me my bag just off the plane. That was a new experience for me. So that was good. We flew to a little town um, called Leeton in New South Wales. And we were with MC Earth Moving. I have had Sophie on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And as the internet knows, after Sophie was on the podcast, we started talking. And then I went to see her for the holidays. And now we're dating. So there's a relationship there, convenience to going to see that company. But they were doing really cool dirt work too. So we go there. We meet up with Sophie. We have dinner. We wake up the next morning. It's dark because it's winter. So you get the uh, late sunrise, which is amazing from a photography photo video standpoint. And the project was MC Earth Moving is building a essentially this dam. They're calling it a dam and it is a dam, but it's more so a pond to hold water. So it's it's a circle. They're connecting it. It's not like a dam as in like a earthen structure, a concrete structure within a valley yeah. that backs up the water. This is on the side of a canal. And I forget the technical term of it, but they once completed will pull water from the nearby canal into this retention pond, essentially. Wouldn't there be a reservoir? A reservoir. Yeah, but there was like but a surge probably, yeah. reservoir or something else. But yeah, so it's a, it's a reservoir uh, because as of right now, it's all agricultural land and it takes seven days from when the farmer says, I want my water for the water to show up because it has to travel hundreds of kilometers because we're way inland in New South Wales. And so with this reservoir, the water district will be able to fill it up with a ton of water, and then we'll be able to draw it down in a more measured manner as the farmers need the water. So the farmers get the water faster and they will waste less water because sometimes the farmer will order the water 
And then on day six, it rains and they'll say, well, we don't need the water anymore, but there's no place for the water to go. Yeah. And so the water just cruises right on by. It's a messed up system, but it's about to get a lot better thanks to this reservoir. And so they are basically moving a bunch of dirt within this field they call fields paddocks in Australia Mm -hmm. to build up this earthen wall around the perimeter of this field. Nice. So they're digging, they're, they're preparing underneath where the dam is at and they have to put down sand and dig a trench and compact it. And there's all this, all this stuff they have to do to, to prepare the base. And then they're pulling the dirt from kind of the interior of the reservoir and piling that up to build the walls around the whole structure. Oh, sweet. And compacting so, it as they go. Are there like con- concrete structure as well around? It's, nope, just dirt. It's all just dirt. Yeah. Yeah, just dirt with, there's a sand drain in the middle. Oh. So in theory, because all dams leak. So yeah. the water will permeate the dam slowly, hit that sand drain, drop all the way to the bottom, and then drop out on the other side where it'll get picked up in a strategic way and discharged without uh, compromising the structural integrity of it because you don't want a dam to break, a reservoir to break because you got a lot of water on the loose and that causes a lot of problems. So when we were there, it was about 50% complete, maybe about halfway. Nice. We got to see what the finished product looked like and then we got to see all of the different steps along the way, compacting the very top, working in the middle, preparing the base, all of it. We, we got to see it all, which was a lot of fun. And then the lighting was perfect. So nice. The sun was coming up. And so we got to photograph their scrapers working. They had K-Tech tr- mm-hmm. uh, trucks and pans. And then they had a Hitachi 670 loading articulated trucks out there with a bunch of uh, blades and miscellaneous excavators to support the operation that's sweet it was awesome it was how, amazing how um like what's the diameter i don't know if did you already say that like how how large is this reservoir i don't know it was pretty big it was like, like imagine a, a big field yeah building a wall around a big field like, but so you like, can you can see the other side it's like a small lake yeah small lake that you might be able to uh wake surf in yeah. if you're if you're keeping it pretty tight. That's exactly where my mind went. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. that'd be so I, sick for I, wake surfing. I, I, I would, I, I, yeah, I think you could pull it off. You could yeah. definitely put a boat in there and you could, you could have some, some pretty nice wake surfing. Yeah. Um, but no, it's for farmers. It's for farmers. Yeah. It's for food. But that was uh, an awesome time. It was, it was cool because it wasn't just earth moving or building a pad, which I think is cool too. Yeah. But we see a lot of that in less engineered earth structures which is a whole different world than picking the dirt up and putting it down in another place so really cool to see mc earth moving doing that work i know they're hiring so if you want a job in leighton with mc earth moving running a scraper give them a call great project um ton of fun we'll have a video on that we got in the car and then we drove about five hours to pick up a rental car at the airport because we drove with Sophie, but she was going south. She lives about an hour outside of Melbourne. We were going to stay in Melbourne for two nights, I believe. So we get down there 
I don't know when we went to the airport. Okay, so the next day we wake up and we meet with James Starbuck. Jimmy Starbuck, if you're on social media in the earth moving world, you know who Jimmy Starbuck is. He's a loud Australian that runs a lot of trucks around Melbourne, moves a lot of dirt around Melbourne. He digs holes. He moves the dirt. He fills in holes is how he's explained it. He's been on the podcast a few times. Mm -hmm. He's fan favorite for sure. He picked us up. We went to breakfast and coffee. At Starbucks? No Starbucks. They don't really have Starbucks in Australia. Um, so we went to a local joint, nice. an actually local joint. Nice. And then we spent the day with Jimmy Starbuck experiencing a day in the life. And what did we do? We went to a basement dig. So in Melbourne, land is expensive. It's all developed. If you want to go build housing somewhere, you have to build a parking garage down below that because you need a certain amount of spaces oh. to get your building permit. That's deep. Yes. So the project they were working, it was a, like a small, small area that mm -hmm. they were excavating probably three floors down. Whoa. And it was going to have a car elevator because it was too small of a space to have a ramp. That's yeah. how tight this site was. And so you drive your car into an elevator and it lowers you down to the third floor and you park it. And when you want to leave, you start your car up, you drive the elevator, hit the button. You drive into the elevator. God damn it. Imagine your mom like fell down the stairs like, Dad, God, I need, I need help. I need help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mom, I'm coming. let me, you're, you're up on, you're up on like the fourth floor. So you have to get in the elevator, ride the elevator all the way down, yeah, get in your car, ride the elevator all the way back up. Uh, but anyway. Uh, that was the first time I'd heard of a car elevator in a building, but I guess it's common there because it's Kinda so like, tight. I mean, Tokyo has them, right? Tokyo has them. I'm sure they have them in uh, like a New York or a San Francisco. They probably exist somewhere, but I'm not exactly an urban guy. So that was cool. And then we went to a project that we could only film from the outside of the project because it was asbestos remediation, but... Ooh. It was asbestos remediation, wink, wink, like mm -mm. It, it's, it's contaminated soil. So by law, they have to remove it, but it's not going to hurt anything or really do anything. It's bad. like, how do you get rid of all of it? Too? You basically, you, you um, drive trucks in, mm -hmm. you have crews on scaffolding, put plastic inside of the truck. So you're basically putting like a trash bag within your truck. You have an excavator. Everybody's wearing Tyvek suits and respirators. An excavator loads your truck, and then the truck drives back out to the scaffolding, and guys close the garbage bag and tape it shut, and then that's taken to a specialty landfill. And a lot of people make a ton of money doing it, so it's good for business. We need more contaminated soil, I guess. So, so you were paid to contaminate it eventually, you know, back in the day, and now you're getting paid to haul it off. Like a hell of a business. Um, but to do that, they need trucks. Jimmy uh, runs a ton of trucks. So uh, he was running trucks on that job. He wasn't moving the dirt, I don't think. And then we went to Starbucks headquarters where we saw the brains of the operation, which was excellent. I got a, another Starbucks beanie. 
Starbucks jumper, as they call them, sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. And finally, we went to a business lunch. And we got to see Jimmy Starbuck doing the business. Making a deal happen. We saw how the sausage is made, mm-hmm. which was enjoyable. He was trying to haul a bunch of scrap from the port. So, Good gig. Yeah, he'll haul anything. It's yeah. not just dirt. He will haul anything. Um, so that was a really good time. So that was our experience with Starbucks. And then we went to the store. We loaded up on goods because that night we were going to the Melbourne airport. So we get to the airport at about 11 p.m., 10.30 p.m., but not to fly anywhere to go look at more work. So we get there at 10.30. We meet our host, Matt, who works for Eifers Civil. And what Eifers was doing, they were a subcontractor for Fulton Hogan, who was replacing different sections of the taxiways and uh, concrete paving around the terminals at the airport. So they had gone through, gone through, excuse me, gone through every single area of the airport for concrete paving. Mm-hmm. And they've assessed it all. And they've said, this is green. This is yellow. This is red. Red meaning this needs to be replaced. And so the contract was them replacing every red section. It was small sections, like uh, maybe a little bit bigger than this room, but not much. Yeah. So what is this, like 20 by 20? Mm-hmm. Maybe less than that? Probably less. So like these little squares everywhere. Yeah, little patches. We get in, we, we, we get approved by security, and then we have to go through security. We've done this a few times where you put all your stuff through the metal detector. They make sure you don't have any firearms or whatever it is. You get back in the car. You're cleared. You drive out with an escort to the work area. We get to the work area and all of the Eifers trucks were all waiting when we got there. There was a, it was probably like a 787 or a 777 pulling out for one last late night flight, like Air Thailand, I think it was, pulling out. So we got to watch that go standing right on the concrete, which is a thrill. Mm-hmm. And then right as, right as that plane left, they were cleared. Okay, it's time to go to work. And it is so much fun watching night work like this that's so coordinated because they have to be done at a certain hour. Yeah. So everything that's done makes sense. And they'd had, they'd, they'd, they've done this, I think it was over 100 or 150 times at this point. They were very well rehearsed. Everybody knows where the hell they need to be, where they need to park their truck, what they need to be doing. There's no, there's no yelling. There's no, there's no drama. It's just everybody doing their damn job. And it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun to watch. Imagine that. Yeah, that that's cool to see. I mean, it it's just nice when people are so coordinated like that. And like, yes, there's just everyone's just doing their thing. And it's probably just much better environment to work. In. I, 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 yeah, I mean, the first few nights, I'm sure it's just so stressful. But yeah. they were such a well-oiled machine at this point. Mm-hmm. that Everyone's just doing their thing. But we, we get to the site and the, the excavators roll off. The trailers, they hook up to, they bolt on a bracket to the first section. They have the excavator pull the first section, first piece of concrete out, put it into the truck, unhook that little bracket, and then they have the second one with a little ripper, start peeling up the pieces, 
And then the other one has a grapple. And so they'll, they'll uh, pull the pieces up gently and then they'll take a grapple and just put it in the truck so that they left behind this clean work area without concrete, without no hammers, no, no mess, just super quick. And, and, and they schedule everything in 15 minute increments. So in 15 minutes, the concrete needs to be done. And then the next 15 minutes is grading everything. So they come in and they grade it and they load the excess material because it's a little bit deeper than the original into a truck. And then the next 30 minutes is drilling for dowels. So they're putting their dowels in, they're putting their expansion foam in on all the different sides. And while this is going on, they have uh, a saw cut crew going and saw cutting tomorrow night's work ahead of time. And then they have a crew working on last night's work to take core samples to make sure that the concrete has the strength they need. They drilled the dowels in, and then as soon as the doweling was done, they brought in, I think, five or six volumetric trucks. These are trucks that make concrete on demand. So they have the water and the aggregate and the sand and cement all in separate compartments within the truck. Mm -hmm. And they have this computer in the back where the, they enter the mix design and the back chute then produces the concrete. That's, that's sweet. It's super cool. Super cool. Kind of how you were describing them lift out the blocks. It made me think of like real life Legos. It was, it was <laughs> a lot like real life Legos. They yeah. Yeah, it was it was cool to watch. It yeah. was a lot of fun. That's sweet. But we 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 saw them um, produce all the concrete, and it was it was really quick for them to produce all the all necessary concrete. And they use that so they're not having to drive concrete trucks in and out. They're not waiting on a batch plant in the middle of the night. They just need a certain amount of yardage. It's not a huge quantity, mm -hmm. and a lot of batch plants now won't even make small quantities on demand. It's like yeah, we can get there next week sometime. So they eliminate that and they can manage the mix a lot more effectively. The mix was super specialized. I can't by memory recall what they had put in it. I know they had, it was a special cement from Switzerland that was very high strength and fast curing. But then they also put a retarder into the mix so that it wouldn't cure as fast to make it a little more workable. Mm -hmm. But they then, once they had poured the section, had brought in a, a screed, like a bidwell to kind of, it's like basically a little roller and they roll it across the piece of concrete to make it smooth and then they hand finish it behind that. They brought that in, but once they're done, they, I mean, they have about 45 minutes to finish it because mm -hmm. after that it is setting up and by five or six in the morning, there will be a 787 going across it. That's really that's fast setting. It's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. So they have to they have to do all of their work, replace all of these panels without interrupting daily air traffic. Taking some tips from the Swiss. From uh, yeah, the Swiss haven't figured out. <laughs> the Swiss definitely have figured out. Yeah. But these this crew was was as good as as good as that one. It was mm -hmm. it was not as the the scope wasn't as big, but it was spectacular to watch ton of fun yeah and it, you when you think about concrete like i always think about like garage slabs mm -hmm. and they're like yeah it'll still be like curing in the center yeah or something like that and it's like yeah yeah um 
uh, it, it goes extends well beyond my knowledge and i've yeah. taken college level engineering courses on concrete and mixed designs and concrete engineering and i've forgotten all of it because it was so traumatic yeah i mean i've took electrical engineering but i have, <laughs> I have no clue uh, just, <laughs> just right over my head um but yeah it was it was it was awesome and they had there's i believe still doing it so do they do they have like little set pieces of rebar that they put in there no yeah. rebar no rebar nope. just dowels steel dowels uh, okay. so the dowels they for anybody that doesn't know what a dowel is when you do concrete paving you have to tie you know you, you pave in sections mm -hmm. and you have to tie the sections in with one another so what they do is you have you have one section and your new section butts up to that section mm -hmm. so you'll drill horizontally perpendicular to the concrete into that concrete a hole and then you will put a piece of steel that sticks halfway into that hole, into that existing slab. And so you have half of the steel sticking out of that existing slab now yeah. into where that new area is. You pour your concrete in that new area and it sets up around that steel. And so now you have your two slabs tied together. That's cool. Yeah. Because concrete pulls apart if I remember it, correctly it, it it can it can well concrete it expands and contracts yeah so uh, that's why in between the new slab and the old slab they also put an expansion joint so they put like foam in between the new and the old so that those two panels have the ability to move mm -hmm. without butting into each other and one having to give way to the other cracking and causing issues that way like like the earth, like tectonic plates. One has to give. One goes up, one goes down. And that's why we have earthquakes. And the Andes. And the Andes. Yeah. Well, so how long are these uh, meant to last, these slabs that they pour? I have no idea. I have no idea. Probably at least a few years. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, I mean, it's, oh, it'll be a long time. Yeah. Yeah, They, but it's part of a greater like replacement program where over the subsequent years, essentially, they'll be replacing all of the concrete as needed you don't think about it but you you put up you pour you pour a concrete runway you've got planes hitting that thing all day long every year and after sitting in the sun mm -hmm. and freezing and getting rained on and having planes going across it it deteriorates and then what you got to replace it yep you got to replace it and i mean if it's a concrete highway in nashville you just don't no yeah <laughs> you just yeah don't. why why replace it i don't I don't get me started about nashville some of the stuff around here just drives me nuts some of the highways some of them are beautiful yeah and then right, others are right. like have you guys driven across this in a while like you you must not drive across you this this must not be where the uh the head DOT guy drives like this. This must be not be on his way to work because out, out of sight, out of mind, <laughs> dude. Like if you hit that, if you hit that joint from here to that bridge, like it's like tossing your car. Oh yeah, I've <laughs> bent rims. Be I, I've bent rims <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> um, that would not fly in Germany though. No, Germany's roads are amazing. I got spoiled growing up in Arizona with the Arizona highway system, but but they're. There's a spectacular because they don't have salt. Mm -hmm. They don't have freezing, really. Yeah. They don't have a lot of rain. And so it is just buttery roads everywhere you go. It's all rubberized asphalt. 
Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <sighs> They've got to figure it out. Yeah. Wide, wide highways because it's planned on a grid. So they have, you've got three, four, five lanes in some places. Just lots of room to spread out. Yeah. That would not fly in New Hampshire. Live free or die. Northeast is even worse. <laughs> yeah. It's brutal. Anyways, it's about Australia. But no. that, that was Eifers Civil. So thanks to Eifers for having us out. And then that was about, we wrapped up 2 or 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. I took Angel home. I was going to stay in Australia for a few weeks afterwards. So I stay in a few weeks for a few weeks. Yeah. And we had concluded our official earth moving down under tour. However, I had one trick up my sleeve. I was trying to go get in with a coal mine in Victoria, where I was, where Melbourne is at. And I, thanks to uh, a few folks online, um, they helped me uh, get in, like the English earth mover, if anybody falls, he was the one that that really helped me. And then there was a gentleman at William Adams, the cat dealer. They helped me get in with a company called RTL, which is Roche, Teese, What's L? What's L? What's L? What's L? What Something. Paste it over. Three, three guys. <laughs> You'll remember. We'll record it and then paste it over. Yeah. This part. Um. Uh. But it's RTL. RTL yeah. Earth, Earthworks. Yeah. Earth Earthworks and mining, something like that. And you've talked about Tease before. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's there's a uh, Tease owns a small. Mm, no, I'm mis- I'm totally miss. Tease owns part of it. Yeah. Part of the company. But this company, historic company in Victoria, longtime earth mover, they have the mining contract on a coal mine uh, about an hour and a half east of Melbourne. And this, this coal mine feeds this power plant that produces about a quarter of Victoria's power. It's really, really big deal. Really big deal. And they mine with these monster dozers. So I didn't hear from this company for a while. And then they call me up and they say, hey, I heard you want to come out. And I say, yeah, "Yeah, I want to come out. So I drive up there one afternoon and I meet Owen who runs the show at RTL. Mm -hmm. And they drive me out to the mine. And this mine is extraordinary because it is, he said, there's, uh, hundreds of years of coal there. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds and centuries of coal. And the seam is 90 meters thick, which is like 300 feet. That's insane. It's crazy. Well, it's almost a football field. Yeah, thick. Yeah. That's how thick it is. That's like insane. usually, I mean, 300 feet, like a big seam in Wyoming, yeah. really big, like yeah. 50 foot. If you're mining your coal seam with the shovel, that's insane. Because most seams, like you go to uh, West Virginia or, or Pennsylvania, it's it's a you know a five foot seams, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Three hundred feet, and it's 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 lower grade coal, so it's not met metallurgical coal, but it's great for power. Yeah, and so they the the mining method they use is extraordinary. So they have a truck shovel fleet. That works ahead of the mine. Uh, it advances the mine by essentially smoothing out the earth. There's 
there's hills and undulations. So they go and they've they've rerouted rivers and creeks and done their work, stripping work, uh, to save topsoil and that kind of stuff. So they've done that ahead. And then they have the the truck shovel fleet come in, two big Hitachi excavators, a Cat 6015, I feel like 785 trucks, maybe 789s. Mm-hmm. Stripping that very top layer. And then they haul the material out to then be used for reclamation. And then in between them and the coal to remove the rest of the overburden is a bucket wheel excavator. Oh, I think I, yeah. yeah. I think I saw this on your yeah. story. And it is what it sounds like. It is a giant wheel made of buckets that sits there and spins and just eats the earth as it spins. And as it spins, the, it, the, the bucket goes up on the face, filling up with earth. Mm-hmm. And then as it comes back down on the other side, it dumps the earth out on a conveyor belt. Yeah. And then it flops onto a conveyor belt and takes from there by conveyor belt, goes all the way around to the other side where it's placed by a reclaimer for reclamation pushed out by a bulldozer. That's wild. Yeah. That must be so effective, though. Oh, like, it's wildly effective. It's you said, and the the whole thing moves. It's on yeah, yeah. It's, it's on, on tracks. A, it's yeah. on a trash platform. The whole earth shakes as it moves around. How big is this? Like compared to, let's say, like a massive excavator, like a sixty fifteen. Way big. Like, so it's like it's, a drag line almost. Yeah, yeah. It's like comparable to like a drag line kind of scale. Big machine. Yeah. Big machine. Um, but drag lines are bigger. Well, they, I guess taller because they have the boom and yeah. that makes them a little bit bigger. But monster machine. Uh, so that was cool to see. Mm-hmm. But what I was really there f- to see was after that machine strips the overburden, they have less than a one-to-one strip ratio. So in pl- in some mines I've been to, it's like a 20-to-one strip ratio. You're mo- moving 20 parts dirt mm-hmm. to get one part coal. Whereas they're moving not even one part dirt to get to one part coal. It's crazy how efficient and effective this place is. So they they run the bucket wheel and then they scrape off the last little bit of coal or dirt from the coal, exposing the coal. Now they have coal. Yeah. And then four D11s that are said to be the biggest in the world, the heaviest in the world, the heaviest D11s. Nice. I think a normal D11... If I recall, if I have my facts right, is about 115 tons, maybe 110 tons. And if you're not right, we'll replace this with AI-generated voice. Perfect. (laughs) This one, the biggest one they have is 127 tons. Way heavier than your standard D11, which is already a very big tractor. Yeah. And they have, they push. So they start at the top and they push on a three-to-one slope, the coal down this slot or slot dozing mm-hmm. push the coal right into a feeder so it goes Whoa. it falls into a feeder which is then goes on to a conveyor belt from there and that conveyor belt takes it right to the power plant that's no trucks nothing else just four dozers feeding the plant with over 10 million tons of coal per year that's so efficient crazy it's wild and the dozers yeah the big one, I believe, had a 118 cubic meter blade. Mm-hmm. Huge blade. Yeah, that's massive. Five ripper shanks, extra weight to balance the enormous blade with the enormous ripper. Mm-hmm. Fire suppression, um, sharpened grousers. 
to help cut the coal and provide more traction as it's tracking along. This thing was a unit. They have more power too. I don't know if it had more power, but the engine is almost, it's, it's fully loaded mm-hmm. almost all the time it's running because it's fully loaded as it's pushing going down, but then it's fully loaded going back up because it's reversing up a three to one slope. And it's so heavy yeah. that the engine is just sitting there just oh, just go flat out trying to get the damn machine back up the hill. God, they must have to rebuild those things like all the time. I'm, sh- I'm sure, yeah, the strain on the engines yeah. are just yeah. extraordinary. But yeah. with how efficient it is, it's like, no It doesn't care. matter. Yeah. The, well, the one, the dozer I got to see too was actually rebuilt by uh, William Adams. Oh, nice. Yeah, by yeah. the cat dealer. Nice. So it was a full certified rebuild and it's just sitting there. Uh, it'll rip with the five shank ripper mm-hmm. and then back all the way up and then just fill, fill the blade, pushing all the way down, shoves it all right into the the trap and it goes to the plant from there. They're like snow cats, but with coal. It was, it was like, yes. Like, yeah, they're, yeah. They're like you don't see material that, that is like that heavy, just like heaps. Well, that, the, um, coal, coal's a lot wider, which is why you can have a monster, monster, monster blade. But yeah, it's like a snowcat. You watch a snowcat pushing material, you're just like, that's just so much more material than you yeah. see with earth because earth is heavy. Yeah. And it's fun to watch because they're just they're all this material floating in front of this blade. That's the same thing with this coal. It's all this huge pile floating in front of this machine. That's so much fun. Yeah. I got to sit in it. I got to meet the operator. Nice. It was a great time. Do they do it in like um, echelon kind of? So like, uh, Well, it'll be uh, so it's slot dozing. So uh, every every dozer works a slot. Oh, uh, okay. Because you want to have... You want to have where you're cutting slightly lower than the surrounding. You want kind of want to have piles on either side of you, which create a slot because that keeps your material in front of your blade. Your oh. material's not falling out off either side at that point it's the most efficient way to push when you're pushing just mass quantities so you'll see in mining applications in a real nice slot slot dozing application a bunch of dozers all in rows pushing in their different slots because that's how you get the most amount of material in front of your blade still learning guys yeah yeah yeah. still still learning yes don't crucify me too too fast no but that's it that's that's it yeah. But they just do it it's for a different reason. Yeah. Efficiency. Yep. But it was sick. Yeah, I would have liked to see that. Oh, so cool. <laughs> so it's, well, and the internet has loved it because yeah. that's one of one. Like, you don't see a dozer like that anywhere else. I've never seen anything even close to that big. I've seen 11s with coal blades on them, but coal, not coal blades that big. That's, it's just insane. Yeah. And I think there's just something about, like, so enticing about bulldozers. Yes. I don't know why. It's just like, you're like, damn, that's just like the coolest. Ever. Well, it's just it's so simple. Like, how do we move this dirt? Why don't we just make a machine that just pushes it? Yeah. Why don't we just push it? Yeah. Like, let's just shove it out of the way. Like excavator, a little too fancy. Like yeah, uh, pick it up, put it down. But it's just like let's just let's just fucking push it. Oh, just yeah. Just put a big blade on the front and put a big engine behind it and some tracks. Give yeah. it some subtraction. Get rid of those stupid rubber tires yeah. and just have at it. Yeah, it's just a tank that just pushes shit. It's basically a tank, yeah. Yeah. Um. So that was my Australia adventure in a nutshell. Sweet. Yes. Got to relax a little bit, hopefully. Yeah, I got oh. to chill a little bit. I pet a kangaroo. You see the ocean at all? Um. Did see the ocean? Yep. 
I saw some wombat poop. I got to see a wombat on a leash. <laughs> they were walking their wombat at the zoo, which was amazing. I don't know if I'd go in those oceans, though. Sharks, man. A little sharky. Well, it was winter, so it was cold, uh, but yeah. I spent a lot of time on the beach. Nice. Yeah, it was good. Sweet. But uh, yeah, Australia part two, we got to see a lot of mining. We got to see some construction. We got to see some more mining. Ton of fun. It was our first foot in the door to uh, the great country of Australia, but we will be back soon to hopefully go to Western Australia. That's where the real big stuff is at, apparently. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we'll make it out to WA next year and potentially do more of Queensland, New South Wales, and Victoria because there's just so much to see. It's a big place. Yeah. But that's it. Nice. Okay. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Questions, comments, concerns, dirttalkabillwood.com. Comes straight to me. Goes right to Harrison. And with that, we'll see you on the next one. Stay dirty. <laughs>